Cerruto. Try it again. Fans on the feet. 6,000 in attendance. The payoff is flied into right field, going back at the warning track at the wall. It's gone! Go ahead, three-run home run for the senior! Peter Cerruto has given the Indiana Hoosiers the lead! Welcome to Talking Hoosier Baseball. We are recording this on Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm Carl James, joined by Chris Feeney and Cassidy Palmer. The number 20 Indiana Hoosiers are coming off their first true road series, three game, and I stress three game, series sweep since 2007 at Florida A&M. I do not have the box scores in front of me, but I think Ty Bothwell may have gotten a save in that series as well. Uh, Might have to look it up. This time around, the Hoosiers spent the weekend in Waco, Texas, dominating the Baylor Bears. Uh, The Hoosiers jumped out to early leads in all three games and never relented. Devin Taylor and Morgan Colopy got three bombs each. Devin Taylor was named Big Ten Player of the Week for for his second straight weekend of video game numbers uh, as he brought the power to bear in Waco. Uh, Connor Foley lived up to his billing as week one's Big Ten Pitcher of the Week by throwing six scoreless innings of one-hit baseball in Saturday's win. Uh, Tuesday, that was a different matter at the BART. Purdue-Fort Wayne out of the Horizon League with a 2023 record of 13-43 and came into the BART ready to play and upset the Hoosiers by a score of 9-6 to after stunning the home crowd by jumping jumping out to an 8-0 lead in the top of the sixth inning. Um, so first off, I'm going to hand it over to Cass. Uh, Cass, what did we learn about the Hoosiers this past weekend in Waco? Thank you, Carl. Um, one of the things that, <clears throat> that stood out to me the most, uh, at least from an offensive perspective, was... Uh, Plate appearances with runners in scoring position and fewer than two outs. Uh, The team largely did well with those, uh, including uh, hitting 375 in such situations uh, on Friday, 440, no, yes, 444 on Saturday and 400 on sunday you hit like that with runners in scoring position and fewer than two outs you're 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 gonna put up runs um and even just the number of those situations uh eight of them and this is just the at bats this doesn't count any of the uh walks hbps sack flies which were also fairly uh, numerous eight such situations uh, on Friday nine of them on Saturday and 10 of them on Sunday that's putting yourself in a situation to succeed regardless of what the pitching staff is doing uh, even on uh, on Tuesday yesterday they the team also hit 400 in such situations there were only five of those 
And so you can see how that really does start to change things. Um, but one of the big differences between Tuesday and the weekend, hitting with two outs and pitching with two outs. Uh, on, on the weekend, the team was, uh, the pitching staff uh, had a batting average of against in two out situations of 200 on Friday, 100 on Saturday. It did go up to 364 on Sunday, four of 11 for a total of what, two, three, seven, four, 31. Uh, on the weekend against Purdue Fort Wayne it was 6 of 16 with uh, two outs for a 375 batting average against with two outs including more than one home run that is not setting up for success um I'm not going to read too much into the Purdue Fort Wayne one because it's one game where you're throwing different arms than you have any at any point in the weekend. That's just how these midweeks go. Sometimes that's going to be great. And you're going to get Seti Manasse who throws 15 pitches to get through two completely perfect innings, or you're going to give up nine runs to, Purdue Fort Wayne like it you're you're gonna get a mixed bag in these that's just the way it happens uh, but that was the biggest thing that stood out on the pitching side uh between that Tuesday Purdue Fort Wayne game and the weekend at Baylor before that uh it's all still small numbers don't read too much into any of it but those were the two kind of things that stood out the the hitting with runners in scoring position and fewer than two outs and the difference in pitching with two outs. Uh, All so, right. Yo, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say that, uh, Chris, you, uh, ended up parking in that grass lot last night and you got to witness, uh, the Hoosiers getting stunned by the Mastodons. Uh, Chris, what happened from the viewpoint of someone who was there in person? Not a lot of good things. Uh, the whole game, we were just waiting. Even when they took the lead, it was like, oh, we'll come back. Oh, yeah, 3 nothing. we'll beat you 14-3. 5-nothing, I'll beat you 16-5. 8 nothing. it was like, okay. But then we got a couple quick ones back, and it was like 8-3. So it was like, ah, we'll be all right. There was like four innings to go. How many pitchers could this team have? But it just didn't happen, man. These guys were executing on the mound. I don't know what else to tell you. People were asking me, like, what in the world? They just flat out beat us. You know, they hit five bombs. Two guys had uh, two home runs each. They played solid defense. I think they threw the ball away maybe once on a pickoff. Something got a little funky, but that was it. It's not like they were kicking the ball around the field. They just beat us, man. We didn't execute on the mound uh, consistently enough. You know, Seti, sure, the two innings you talked about were great. Uh, Bennis, to start the game, real solid. I was glad we got to see two out of him. And Katsky, when he comes in with the bases loaded, does his thing. The next inning, obviously, it took a turn for the worse. But I just kept waiting for the bats to come. We all did. 
We just were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then maybe we got a little cocky in the eighth. I'll admit it. Because as it's, the thing started rolling, I'm like, all right, finally, here it is. We don't even have to walk this off. We'll catch them, pass them, and get three outs in the ninth. But then we strand the bases loaded. You know, it happens. It, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't fun. And I do take full responsibility. Nine years of attending this stadium, I have never parked where I parked that night. And I questioned it when I did it. I'm driving by 46. I, I say, okay. Honestly, I was thinking maybe use the media pass. They might let me in through the other lot. I said, well, I could try that. But if it doesn't work, at that point, I'm going to have to pay whatever it was. So I was like, ah, I'll, I'll go park in the grass. But I knew it was a bad move at the time. Never question your gut, folks. If you know you're doing something against the baseball gods, just don't do it. Honestly, I can't say it wasn't in my mind as I was going down the thing. I did. I said, I didn't think we were going to lose. I just thought something funky might happen. God forbid something gets hurt or something bad would happen. <laughs> we lose. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, to give credit to the fans that stuck it out. You know, people were into it there in the eighth with the big rally. And I really, to the to the fans, uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, you know, they were into it. The team was really into it. I mean, that dugout was humming, like from the beginning of the game on. I give them credit. Not that we weren't. We were into it too, but I don't know. I didn't expect it from them right from the start like that. I <laughs> think they really wanted to beat us. Uh, and they did. And you yeah. got to tip your cap and, and you just say, you know, there isn't a goat. There isn't not the greatest of all time. Meaning in my world, goat was the guy who blew it. And it's changed now, the younger <laughs> generation. But there wasn't a Buckner. There wasn't a this guy's fault, that guy's fault. They just beat us straight up. It's like, uh, what is it? Teddy KGB? Pay the man his money. Yep. So, okay, so that takes care of uh, of that. But overall, still a three-in-one week. Um, and honestly, a week ago, I wouldn't have had a problem with a three-in-one week. <laughs> yep. And, you know, it's all relatively weak competition. Um, you know, it's just interesting that you kind of, by looking at it, you, you kind of felt that Purdue-Fort Wayne was the superior team to Baylor. But <laughs> Yeah, they would crush Baylor. They would yeah. crush Baylor. You're crazy. Yeah, Baylor and just it, they, that was the and again to some degree I had some of that fear was just that that you know and a lot of that is just you know how, how do these teams do out of the out of the transfer portal and with recruiting and from what we've seen so far Baylor hasn't done that well so they've got a new coach they're trying to turn things around as a program um, it's just kind of sad for a program that's been to Omaha three times. <laughs> To, to struggle specifically at the plate as much as they have. Mm -hmm. Although tip the cap, they did actually swing the bat a little bit better on Sunday. So, yeah, um, they did lose one of their leaders right there in the beginning on Friday. Yeah, they, I think yeah. that took a lot, some wind out of their sails too. Mm -hmm. Not that yeah. I knew he was one of their big leaders, but from watching the games, we learned that he was yes. yeah, a big emotional guy in the dugout, you know, a big leader in the clubhouse yeah. and then it hurt like that. And so I get that, you know, especially Friday night with that affecting them. But yeah, like you said, they they just they just didn't have the talent out there. But but then again, I would have thought they had a better team than the Mastodons, and and those Mastodons, I, they were excellent. They were excellent. Yep, yep. They really, really were. Yep. Yep. And it's it's always difficult to to get that series sweep, uh, particularly on the road, as evidenced by the. Uh, we haven't had a non-conference sweep like that since 2007. 
Three game sweep, though. That's what, I mean. uh, that's what I mean. A sweep like that. <laughs> a comparable. Sweep. Everyone seems to gloss over that two game sweep. Yes. Forget the call. Forget yes. the two game of sweep. Yes. <laughs> but, but in relation to a sweep like the one we just had, hmm. which is a three game sweep. Famous uh, yeah. Winston didn't think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it it is at least as difficult to then get that functional four game week sweep um particularly when it i mean this is kind of a textbook trap game coming off of weaker competition with the emotional side of 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 successfully sweeping them going into a weekend where it's two ranked opponents and and a potentially solid third team that Purdue Fort Wayne definitely falls into the trap game territory here. And honestly, I'd rather see this now, let the team experience it, get a little humbled by it in week two, get their heads right and move forward. That yep. that's what we're looking for here. And overall, you look at Indiana's offense was a was was a little weak, particularly yeah. in those first four innings. Yeah. But overall for the game, it wasn't horrible. No. You know, six runs. They had plenty. I think just about everybody got a hit. Yeah. Um it it's just yeah, it just didn't all tally up to to, to winning. But right. the offense in the end did did you'd like to have been a little bit more consistent, but it wasn't but awful. It was not bad. I I watched the first four innings rewatch the first four innings in detail. I didn't really have a problem with the plate approaches. No. Um I think I think coach was right and but I really more credit uh you know Purdue Purdue Fort Wayne starter in that um uh, Sean Casper for you know he did a really good job of you know throwing he, he kept his fastballs mostly out of the zone to show them the speed and then pounded the zone with off-speed pitches, um, got our guys off fastball timing, and then came back in the fourth inning and then started throwing the fastballs for strikes, and our guys were off timing. And it was, you know, it was it was well done. And this gives them something that they can specifically work on with that. You got to maintain fastball timing, even if they're not throwing those fastballs for strikes. Uh, and then on the, the pitching end, it really just gives, I think, as Coach specified a lot it was falling behind in counts was a was a big problem for this pitching staff uh got into you know two one counts got into three two counts got into just just a lot of situations where they you kind of had to you know throw a fastball in the in the zone and when the wind blowing out at 20 miles per hour uh, it doesn't matter who you are if they've got uh if you've got a guys who who can swing the bat you get the ball into the air, it was going to go out of the park. Yep. And that's, that's what, that's what we saw. Uh, but we'll uh, move on now um, for the, for the totality of the week. Uh, I think Chris has got some hardware to hand out. All right. Thanks, Carl. I had a couple of people asking me about what the red belts are. I guess maybe they tuned in last week and maybe for the first <laughs> time, didn't really know what was going on. So yeah. just a quick, uh, sorry, I couldn't make it last week. Just a quick uh, of what the red belts are. Uh, we give out weekly awards. 
And, you know, you could just shout out players if we wanted to, but instead we wanted to come up with an award for, for an offensive, a defensive, and, uh, and a pitcher of the week. And we tally them all up at the end of the year, and then they're the award winner. So uh, the red belts, the reason why they're red belts is because back when we started doing this, uh, the guy who ordered a bunch of red belts for the team, I think he, uh, he might have went to a wholesaler that wasn't the best. And every time a guy slid into second base, the belt would break, and they have to go to another one. So, Roger, we keep you alive on this podcast as a Hoosier. He's always a Hoosier anyway, obviously. Oh, yeah. But uh, he's out of Mississippi State now. So we collect the red belts for everybody because technically when we started doing this, guys could really use the extra red belt because of the ones that kept breaking. But uh, And we also wanted to nominate players from the past for each uh, category. So offensive, it's the Alec Dickerson Award at the end of the year. For pitching, it's the Joey Donato Award at the end of the year. And for defense, the only player to win a gold glove as a Hoosier baseball member, Tony Butler. So those are the three. Uh, we I give them out just how it started, and I just keep giving them out. I don't know. If for some reason I can't really watch or listen too much because there's stuff going on, you know, I'll pass it along to somebody who has uh, can get a good listen or view on it. But if I can pretty much make the decisions, they've just happened to be mine. It's <laughs> just how we've been doing it. So for this week, uh, the defensive red belt, the the Tony Butler, is going to go to Josh Pine. Uh, the, the amazing performance he uh, showed on Friday night against Baylor. I mean, it was going to be hard to take it from him after that. He was making every play imaginable. And I was really glad because one of the national writers even put something out after I wrote <laughs> on, on a Twitter how good he was doing. I'm, like, I'm glad somebody else is seeing this because it was impressive whether it was the bare hand, whether it was going foul territory, throwing it over to Brock. Really, one of his most impressive plays, the guy beat out. Uh, Brock had to go all the way up. He scooped it. But, yeah, the guy, he hustled and he beat it out. But the balls that Josh Pine can get to down that foul line is really amazing. And when he comes hard with that bare hand to, to, to whip it over to first, you know, he's solid. So Josh gets it. Connor Foley, I mean, a pretty obvious one for the uh, Joey Donato red belt. Six innings, just the one hit, seven strikeouts. I don't know. Maybe he was mad I didn't give it to him last week. I gave it to Ty. Big game Ty earned it last week. He threw more innings than you, buddy. And uh, and he closed out the game. So Ty got one, and now Connor has one. Uh, and then the offensive red belt, the Alex Dickerson, goes to Devin Taylor. I got to say, everybody thinks this was like a runaway. Look at Colopy's numbers. Mm-hmm. And tell me that this was an absolute runaway, because it wasn't. Okay? Colopy's numbers were solid as well the long balls and, and, and a lot of big hits with two outs. But, yes, Devin Taylor, seven for 11, three bombs, uh, 10, for, uh, 10 for 15. He hit 667 for the series. He had three three-hit games. So, I mean, say what you want. He's the big player of the week, and he's also the red belt winner of the week. So it, it would be Connor Foley, Josh Pine, and Devin Taylor taking this week's awards. So we'll see who comes up with them out in Frisco next weekend. All right. So uh, speaking of Frisco, um, let's uh, let's go ahead and discuss uh, the times and how we can uh, how everyone can take in the various uh, games for those of you that won't be in Frisco, Texas. Um which we will not be in Frisco, Texas. So uh, the games, uh, if I have the times correct, are uh, Eastern time anyway, is uh, 7 p.m. on on Friday and then 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. 
Um, and those will be, for video purposes, will be streamed at uh, d1baseball.com. And that requires a streaming service, um, kind of a package deal. Um, the 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 simplest package overall is to get a one month subscription to d1baseball.com plus an add-on streaming subscription. Each of those are $14.99, so it's basically a $30 to get the uh, the streaming. So what do you get with that? In addition to this tournament, you do get access to the streamings. Uh, it's about a five-week period, and this is the third of the five weeks that have various tournaments going on. Um, we did just confirm you do get replay access, so if you want to go back, if you can't watch it during the time and you want to go back and watch it, you can. Um, there are several other Big Ten teams that have been in tournaments. Um, I've already watched the uh, with the service the Iowa-Virginia game from last week, so there's a chances to look at, at other teams that, uh, that, that are going to be competing with IU. If uh, if you're into that, plus the D1 baseball subscription, you get uh, uh, all of the national articles uh, that are written. You'll get the previews. Most of the major Big Ten teams have been covered in previews. There have been a lot of stories because Big Ten teams have been in these tournaments or Big Ten teams have made, you know, there's there was just a, an article that covered Penn State in detail because Penn State uh, just went to Stanford and took two out of three there. Um that's a that's a program that's on the rise. So there's there's a lot of good information. My favorite thing on D1Baseball.com is the advanced statistics. So you can go to stats. Uh, they actually have decent stats without a subscription, but with a subscription you get uh, a lot of the newer uh, advanced statistics are available. Um, and I, I use a lot of those when I'm trying to size up quickly. Okay, who who's coming out of the pen, and are these are these guys good based on the the advanced statistics that are out there? Um, so again, it's it's about thirty dollars to to get a subscription for the weekend. If you happen to already be a D one D one baseball dot com subscriber, it is just the additional fourteen ninety nine for the streaming. Um, now, if you uh, don't want to shell out thirty dollars for three games. Uh, there is audio coverage uh, available for free um, since uh, Austin Render is uh, covering the women's basketball game this weekend. Uh, it will be Ben Haller will be back at it. Uh, he'll be heading back down to Texas. Um, in addition to the ESPN Plus feed from last week on video, I listened, you know, I, I had instead of listening to the, to their feed, I listened to uh, to Ben Haller all weekend and. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the call that he gave and, and the details he was able to provide. Uh, so that uh, that is definitely a, a good way to take it in. Um, in addition, uh, we we here at IUBase.com will have uh, our new live our new sorry our new um, live blog going. Um, and uh, Chris was able to jump in with me on that. On Sunday, I, I did it myself on Saturday. Chris uh, added some on Sunday. Um, we may have more of us involved uh, in the process of uh, live blogging some of the games. Um, but I mean, we're going to have a live blog. I'll do definitely do a, bait, a live blog for most of them. And you'll see a link to that at iubase.com. Um, and you can get to the overall site at apps.iubase.com. But we'll, uh, we'll have those links. We'll also push those out on social uh, for what we're covering. It plus, you know, just hashtag IU base on uh, on X social. You'll see that there. Um, and I do do some in the uh, 
in the uh, Indiana baseball fan group uh, that's on Facebook. So those are all different ways that you can follow the action this coming weekend. Um, and of course, we'll also have uh, you know recaps uh, on the website as well. So multiple ways to, to follow along. Um, and of course, we will give a, a larger recap after the whole weekend uh, next week. So let's go ahead and go into some details on who uh, Indiana is going to be facing. So uh, Friday night uh, will be against number 16, Alabama. Uh, Chris, what do we know about Alabama? All right. Alabama is undefeated, 9-0. and These guys haven't lost a game the whole year. On fire, okay? They beat Valpo, uh, Manhattan, and UAB. So, But they won nine times, though. So they are undefeated. They haven't played anybody. But they, they're coming in high, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's good to play those guys that are undefeated, and you give them their first loss of the season. Uh, Alabama was 43-21 and 21 last year. I bet you didn't know that. Uh, they hosted their own regional and won it and then lost to Wake Forest uh, in the Supers. So that was with an interim coach because Brad Rahannon was uh, let go for gambling and using inside information to place bets at uh, casinos. I bet you didn't know that. So the whole thing is they did that with an interim coach. And then they didn't want to hire him on full-time, so they brought in Rob Vaughn at uh, Maryland, who a lot of us know. So he's the head coach there. We are playing the games at the Frisco College Baseball Classic. Like Carl mentioned, it's played at Rough Riders Field, which is a double-A park and holds 10,000 people. So there could be some big crowds, you know. They've sold it out before, you know, with other fan bases. But it was more, of course, like SEC fan bases and stuff like that. I mean, maybe there'll be 10,000 people there Friday night, but I don't know if that, that might be a big number. But it does hold 10,000. And uh, it used to be called Dr. Pepper Park. I guess they decided not to want to pay anymore. So they just call it Rough Riders Field, and, and they'll go with it from there. And I was checking out Alabama. Their, uh, their winning streak, uh, eight home games and one away. Their big rivalry with UAB. They did win just recently in the 10th inning. Put up three runs. UAB put up another run, but not enough. So Alabama got that ninth win. So they'll be going for 10 in a row, you know, to stay undefeated against us. Uh, now, look at their Fridays. We got Riley Quick. He threw three innings and had five strikeouts and to give up any runs. Both of their Friday games, they run-ruled the other team. So they've never played an eighth or a ninth inning on a Friday. It was 15 nothing in uh, Manhattan and then 14-2 for Valparaiso. So, you know, let's see who, who they're playing in, in, in the competition. Now, interesting enough, we had a young man decommit, uh, Ben Hess, big right-hander out of Illinois. He was actually the number one ranked prospect at the time. I remember it was a big deal that we had signed him. I remember sending stuff out on Twitter about Ben Hess. Uh, he de decommitted from us, and, he, and, you know, he chose Alabama. He pitched the second Friday, four innings, two runs. You know, they might go to him on Friday. We don't know. There's only been the two opportunities. Uh, but, yeah, he was the number one prospect in Illinois at the time. He was 133rd in the country at the time, too. Big fella, 6'5", 220, uh, right-handed pitcher. So we might see Ben. Uh, he's thrown eight innings, and he has 14 strikeouts already. I would think he'd kind of want to pitch against us and might even ask Rob uh, to get out in the mound on Friday at some point, if he got opening or, or at some point during the game, I would think we would see him. 
Um, as far as their hitters, TJ McCants, their three-hitter with center fielder, he has 19 RBIs already. This team has played nine games. So, again, the competition they've played against, but he has six bombs also. And he's slugging 1,057 after just nine games, hitting 400. Then their leadoff guy, Gage Miller, great name, by the way, Gage Miller. Uh, he's hitting 457. He scored 17 runs already in nine games. So, you know, these guys, their numbers are up there, but who they're playing could really affect why it is the way it is. Um, as much as I don't like Maryland, they have been good for a long, long time, and, and Rob Vaughn was respected in the Big Ten, and I think around everywhere, honestly, in the program that he put together. So I would think Alabama's in good hands. Uh, and, hey, he, he hasn't lost yet. So uh, why don't we give him his first loss? All right. So that would be it for that. All right. Well, on Saturday uh, at one o'clock, the uh, one o'clock Eastern, the Hoosiers will take on number twenty-five Dallas Baptist. Uh, uh, familiar theme: Dallas Baptist has yet to lose a baseball game this season. They are oh, on a tear. Awesome. They're eight and zero. <laughs> uh, they will play Arizona on Friday, so we don't know if they will be undefeated when they face the Hoosiers or not. Uh, but uh, it it will be a uh, no doubt. This is a really good team. Um, they, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good program. Um, they've changed conferences and they are not missing a step. Um, they, uh, have midweek wins over Oklahoma and Oklahoma state already. Those are their more marquee wins, uh, in addition to their sweeps against, uh, SEMO and central Michigan, they have averaged in their last five games, 13 runs scored each game. Um, they are obviously undefeated 2-0 and on Saturdays. Their Saturday starter has been consistent for both games, five innings each out of uh, Jaron DeBerry. Um, he allowed two runs, walking two and striking out six against uh, Central Michigan last week and earned the win for that. Uh, he had a very similar stat line against SEMO. Uh, so he's, he's got a whip of 1.6, and he's hit a batter in each of his outings so far. Um, so not absolutely phenomenal numbers but he's been a very solid starter um and has helped his team along to win uh each of those games um but i think the real thing with dallas baptist is that these guys uh rake you know their star power comes from their catcher uh grant jay uh, he's hitting 317 uh, on the uh sorry his freshman campaign he hit 317 uh and he hit 21 home runs last season this year, he is hitting 419 so far, and he's hit four homers, four doubles, and he's uh, had 13 RBIs. So he's been very strong so far. They got a couple other guys who are hot uh, in the name of uh, Michael Detallo. Um, he's at 372 so far on this year. Um, and uh, their second baseman, uh, Miguel Santos, um, he has been hitting 415 on the year. So they've got a lot of hot bats going on. Um, and they've is it just haven't lost a game yet, so this will be a this will be a tough competition. Uh, Cass, what can you tell us about uh, Sunday in Arizona? Yeah, so Arizona is kind of the odd one out at Frisco this year in that they are not currently ranked. Uh, they are four and three on the year. Uh, they are although they are currently playing number five TCU. Uh, they are down. 3 nothing at the moment at the bottom of the fifth. Uh, 
but they also haven't played the lightest of schedules either. Uh, they won two of three from then number 23 Northeastern, who has since dropped out of the rankings. Uh, they won versus Utah Tech uh, in, in, in a big midweek way. Uh, and then they lost two of three at San Diego this last weekend. Uh, a few key position players. Uh, I, I had been so excited to say, hey, look, they have their own guy who's hitting 500 still uh, this far into the season in uh, Darren Kolf, Kolf, I can't say his name right now, Caulfield, uh, their second baseman, uh, who coming into the current game was hitting 500, but an 0 for 2 so far on the night has him down to 464. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of power, so to speak, but he does not strike out a lot. Uh, he, he's going to make contact far, far more often than not. Uh, they have another couple of guys with with pretty high averages. Uh, left fielder Brendan Summerhill uh, at 438. And oddly enough, nine-hole hitter uh, Richie Morales, the third baseman, uh who's who is hitting 348 so far well that those were the previous uh Morales is still hitting 348 uh Summerhill is down to 412 uh neither again neither one of those are super big power guys Summerhill knock a few doubles uh but not huge huge power uh they're big power guys uh Sophomore Mason White, who's the uh, shortstop, he's been he switched from second base over to shortstop. So he's had some issues in the field so far this season. But at the plate, uh, he's currently at a 290 average, was 310 coming into the day uh, with three home runs. And then Emilio uh, Corona, the right fielder, also has three home runs. As a team, uh, Arizona is hitting 324, and about 35% of their uh, hits are going for extra bases. So th these guys are no slouch at the plate at all. So that'll be something to keep an eye on uh, on Sunday. As for pitching, there's maybe a little uh, question mark here as uh, – Arizona has started the same guy on both Sundays that they've played. Uh, Anthony Tonko, uh, I'm not sure if it's Susak or Sussex. Uh, he has started both Sundays. He's got a 12-4-6 ERA in about the weirdest way possible. Uh, gave up no earned runs to Northeastern in four innings of work. And gave up six earned runs to San Diego in a third of an inning. Oh, so damn. Yeah, it, it's a little wonky. Uh, could be there. There was just something going on that that led to those earned runs in such a short amount of time. Could be they want to put someone else in there. Uh, not sure on that. If they do put someone else in there, odds are uh, it'll be uh, Cam Walty, who's a senior. 
he has followed up uh Susick, Susak, uh both Sundays. Kaiser what? Kaiser Sozig. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but Walty has followed him up both times. Uh gave up two earned runs against Northeastern in three innings of work and gave up no earned runs versus San Diego in five and two thirds. So he's sitting at a two Oh eight ERA and is uh, among the best of the pitchers who qualify statistically so far in the short season. Uh, He only has a two forty three batting average against. uh, So that, will be something to watch for for those Hoosier bats. Uh, This guy does not give up a lot, and he strikes out more batters than he walks. Uh, So big thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Total, this pitching staff has only given up five home runs on the year, so that will also be something to watch for a team, for an offensive team that is fairly home run heavy for IU. if if this Arizona team isn't gonna give them up, and so that's they the week. five the whole year. Yeah, so far they well not. I don't think any of them today have been home runs. Wow. But yeah, five. They've only given up five home runs on the year, not counting the active game against TCU. Right. No, yeah. I'm just thinking. I saw five losses on home runs yesterday. Right. Yeah. One game. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, so might need to look a little bit more toward uh, some amount of small ball if yeah. if, if they're going to be throwing like that. Uh, so that's this weekend. Uh, Carl, what do you have on Northern Kentucky in the midweek? All right. Well, as, uh, as they try to say, they want us to fear the Norse um, <laughs> of Northern Kentucky. Um, you know, I look at two and six out of the Horizon League, and normally I would say eh, not a big deal. But uh, yeah, uh, the Mastodons are currently two and six out of the Horizon League, so let's keep that in perspective. <laughs> uh, different than the Mastodons, though, uh, this uh, the Norse have actually won a series on the road. They opened the season uh, taking two of three from Tennessee Martin. Um, in the two games that they won, they held uh, Tennessee Martin to four and two runs. Um, but that is really all the success they've had in their pitching uh, in all of their other their six games. They have uh, given up at least seven runs in each of those, um, and they've given up, uh, let's see here, double digit runs in three games. So they've been struggling a little bit with uh, with run prevention. Um, so statistically speaking, they are scoring runs, though, uh, they and uh they're getting guys on base and hitting with power. Um, so these guys have hit a lot of home runs. Let me see if I'm – they've got two guys with four home runs, Mitch Wood and uh, Liam McFadden-Ackman. Beach have four home runs. They have five guys with with an over 1,000 OPS so far. Um, conversely, though, uh, if I go to advanced pitching I do here, feel the door. Yeah, five of them? Uh, Yes, they have six pitchers though who have an OPS against of more than a thousand. So uh, that's <laughs> evens it out um, a little bit, I guess. Yes, uh, and I really, they, only, they really only have one guy who's pitching well, 
Um, and looks like this is a freshman reliever, um, Ryan uh, Ryan Pearson, uh, 2.16 ERA, uh, four appearances so far. He's thrown eight, uh, 8.1 innings and given up only two earned runs while striking out six. So I somehow imagine he's going to be the starting pitcher and he's going to go four. So the Hoosiers <laughs> need to be ready. For, the Hoosiers need to be ready for this dude. So uh, uh, I have no idea if that's who they're going to throw or not. But uh, <laughs> but you know, could be especially if he's a freshman. You know, you, you, you with a lot of these teams, it's it's uh, they they want to to get a freshman, and sometimes it's a it's it's a big game. They're going to be playing a game against a ranked team, and especially seeing what. Uh, what the fellow horizon league team did, they may be getting themselves up for this one. So they can swing the bat and they have at least one guy. Okay. Maybe only one guy that's successful so far in pitching. Um, uh, and that will be uh, at the Bart Tuesday at 4 PM. Um, and as usual, that'll be on uh, B1G plus uh, for video coverage. And, uh, and there will be audio coverage as well. Um, I, yeah. And given the, timing given the timing i assume that would be austin render i don't know that for sure but i'm pretty sure austin render should have the uh the radio call for that one all right well we've done red belts we've uh taken a look at our preview on the uh for the for the coming week uh we do have some questions uh that came into the mailbag so we're going to go ahead and answer those um the let me see here uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and toss out one of these questions to the group now. Um, these questions that I, at least the ones that I saw here, have all were all asked before the uh, Fort Wayne game. Um, and the first one's kind of applicable to it. Uh, will the bullpen uh, get enough experience to support the guys who pitch on the weekend? Cass, what, what do you want to say about that? I'd say right now, Yes, long-term, postseason, like the, the goal of the regular season is to prepare for the postseason. And that's exactly what's going on right now. You have to figure, uh, particularly with a pitching staff that did come in with a lot of question marks, you are trying to figure out in the early season what roles best fit which pitchers. And as you're figuring that out, you might get some bumps along the way as, oh, nope, that was not the correct spot. That was not the correct role. Okay, let's tweak. Let's try this next. And and so there are some bumps and bruises early in the season. There, there always are, particularly midweek um, and kind of later into weekend series as pitching depth starts to get a little shaky. Uh, I... I think yes, long term, with the goal of of ready for postseason, absolutely. I I think it'll be ready. Yep. And you got to keep in mind that a situation like yesterday's game, you know, was a lot of it is about they're trying to get all of these guys' experience against real offenses, yep. and and unfortunately, there's really no true way to do that <laughs> i mean there's only so much of throwing to, to your own team that you can do with that there, there's got to be you got to go face somebody in a different jersey um and you know and the 
So they, they've got to throw them out there and get that experience. And that's part of what these midweeks are for. And to Chris's point, we had a, a couple of good, good outings out of guys. Yeah. And as, you know, for example, as Seth Venice gets worked up, I know he's not a bullpen guy, but as he gets worked up, he's going to, his opens are going to get longer and longer and may even get, go all the way into, into being starts. And then once they figure out, you know, who can consistently perform and they're not yeah. going to give up on the guys who struggled a little bit no. yesterday. Um, they're going to get other opportunities. Um, they're going to chance to evaluate the performance and see what can they do to stay out of those, uh, two, one and three, two counts and, and try to, to, to improve and then figure out who's going to be best for, as Cass said, that, that long haul. Um, second question uh, is been hearing a lot about Devin Taylor lately. Um, and the question is um, because there was a question is like, well, is Devin Taylor draft eligible this year? And will this be his, his last year uh, in college? Chris, what can you say on that? Well, no, I mean, you know, for those who don't know the setup with college ball, once you sign to play, it's three years, unless your birthday turns you, what, 21 at, at the time of the draft, which Devin's won't. So well, it, at the end it's of within the certain days of the of the draft. Yeah, so. by the end of the signing period. But Devin is not within that range, from what I understand. And uh, so, no, he would have a third year of college eligibility where he plays it would be up to him. And just like with all the new rules and transfers and NLIs and everything else, he would still have another year of eligibility to use after this year. He couldn't be drafted by Major League Baseball. Um, I think you see him very high on boards next year. You know, we're here in top top of the first round. I mean, the kid's special, man. He's special. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't walk around up like, you know, one of those guys who just walk above everybody else. I mean, I see him goofing around on the hill on the side at, at Conway. I even said it to to – was it Aaron Phil? Oh, look, there's an MLB draft pick goofing around like a little kid, just having fun. Because he was. Yeah. And, he, and he was goofing with Wiggins. I believe I said there's two <laughs> picks <laughs> because you figure Wiggins later on, too. Who knows? But no, Devin cannot be drafted by Major League Baseball following this season. He will have one more year left of college eligibility. He can play that where he chooses. Well, two years of college eligibility, one that he has to. Use. Oh, right. But he's not playing yeah. a fourth anywhere. Right. Right. So yeah, no. he will he will play three <laughs> right. years of college ball and then he will be drafted by the major league baseball. Yes. Uh, yes. And where he plays that third year is absolutely up to him and his family and decisions that he'll make then. But yes, he'll have another year to play. And it's a pleasure to watch him. And he's a special young man. And, you know, we go back to the interviews we had of him from that school. Where I had the glasses on. He was in that classroom when we interviewed. I, I wasn't there. You guys were. I remember I watched it. But uh, I think even then we knew he was just like a good down-to-earth kid, parents raising right, all that good stuff. And just to see the way he performs on that field is no joke. Um, he's super polished with the media. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. And he's going to be a special guy. You know, we're going to watch him for years uh, to come like we do our Pro Bowl Hoosiers now. And uh, on that same note, though, there was a point that has been – thrown out lately though that uh, just to make a point of clarification and that is that uh as he's doing so well uh Connor Foley while only a sophomore because of his birthday mm-hmm. is draft eligible this year so yeah. Connor Foley is eligible for the MLB draft and uh given what he's done so far if he continues along those tracks uh he is getting MLB draft interest so that's someone as a sophomore um 
to to be to be looking at um as well as the 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 juniors that are obviously uh, draft eligible um you know most notably in that group are uh uh, Con- uh Connor Matheson, Brock Tibbetts, uh Josh Pine and uh Luke Sennard, uh are the uh the juniors that are most most touted at this point in the in the process. I'm glad you brought Luke Carl. I didn't know if you were gonna. Uh, <laughs> Luke is absolutely gonna get drafted. Uh, it will be his decision whether he goes to uh, play or returns to play another year of college ball. But you know, imagine him on this squad. Imagine if all weekend was Luke, Braden, and Connor. Yeah. Oh, I hope he's. I hope his recovery is going well. He's another good guy, and and I know it killed him last year to go down in that regional. But having him all season last year was amazing, man. And just having Braden and Connor, going with Cass's answer, you know, with the bullpen, and are they going to have enough time to get ready? Honestly, I think we've gotten more out of Ty and Connor than I ever thought we would at this point in the season. I know we were hearing Connor was getting lengthened out, but until you see it on the field, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? Especially Connor doesn't have a lot of innings in that arm, going even back to high school. Braden's a horse. We knew what Braden was. Yeah. You know, I locked him in for six innings. But after that, we really didn't know. And to have Connor and Ty just locking down the Saturdays and, and whatever happens Sunday, there's just no – what do you say, Carl? There's 27 innings you got to get, right? Yep. 27 innings you got to get. I see that you say it a lot. And it makes a lot of sense. Every time you say it, I want to correct you. It's 27 outs, right? But I know what you mean. You're saying 27 <laughs> innings for the series, for the weekend. Yeah. And the, the question the, – the man who wrote the question, he's got a good point. Like, yo, when are these other arms going to get a shot? You know, are they going to be ready? Because if you're going to win a regional, or if you're going to win a Big Ten tournament title, or g- advance to the Supers, maybe not so much in the Supers because you only got to win two games. But you're going to win a regional. You got to have more than, than a couple of starters. How many teams just roll right through, right, and win three games? It doesn't happen that much. Um, look at us. We were two and zero, and we didn't get out. So you got to have arms. I think Cass. I agree with Cass. You know, they're going to have time to prepare. We're going to start seeing, uh, Cass mentioned roles. We're going to start seeing situations they start putting dudes in, right? If a dude comes in and we're up 7-2 to two in the 8th inning, you kind of know where he is on the pecking order. And then if, if a guy, guy comes in comes and he in. up to, <laughs> that, that's, he's in a different role. Or the guy who comes in bases loaded and fewer than two outs. Right. Well, like Cass, yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, was, it, it could uh, be that's his role. That's yeah. where he thrives. Starting off an inning, maybe not so much. Right, but it's but in that high pressure thing, may, maybe that's his role, and uh, and honestly, as far as preparing for postseason, uh, the baseball at the beach and the Frisco Classic are great practice runs for it because you're you cannot prep as in depth on one team for the weekend because you're playing three different teams. That is so regional like. And and that helps having that experience. And and who knows, we may even see different bullpen deployment this coming weekend based on on how they're how, you know, possibly say Ty actually might match up better with Alabama. Yeah. It's possible you'll see Ty first against Alabama. I, I'm not saying I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I haven't really dug into how right. they you know, how the. But I'm just throwing that out there as a, as a brainstorm. But I'm just saying is you I wouldn't be shocked to see a different deployment of the relievers on different days due to how their pitching uh, yeah. profiles match up with particular teams. 
Well, whatever the matchup is, if we're doing two pitchers a game, I'm in. <laughs> yes. The uh, the final question uh, was about uh, the RPI, um, the RPI rankings, um, and that at the time the question was, uh, despite how good Indiana is and in being uh, ranked by the media at 20, they're only ranked at 45. Um, since the loss to the Mastodons, Indiana has dropped to 78th in the RPI. Um, oh, I have I see I'm at 87. Live. Okay, well I'm in I'm at Warren Nolan. So oh, so am I. Okay. Something changed in the Big last drop. ten minutes. Oh, uh, who lost? Somebody must have lost. I have no idea. Let's see. I guess Baylor lost again. A drop of 42 <laughs> spots is not great. Drop of yeah. 32 spots is also not great. Either okay, way. So it's 87 now. That has only happened in the last hour. Yes. But that goes to show you what happens to RPI this early in the season. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't look at it. <laughs> it's uh, RPI is a very basic formula. Um, it It does tell you something over the course of a season, but... It is – this is the more important thing. Remember that RPI is a performance metric. It is not an evaluation metric. It doesn't tell you how good a team is. It tells you how well they performed. And I know that that doesn't necessarily sound like a distinction, <laughs> but what I guess what I mean on that is you're trying to go for a result, and that result is based over the course of the full season. And a team's schedule for that purpose, you try to win games, you try to win games on the road, you schedule games on the road, you schedule games against teams you think are going to win games. But in the end, the only things that are included in it is your record, your the record of your opponents, and the record of your opponent's opponents. That's it. And this early in the season, the various scheduling methods that teams play – are going to wreak havoc on these rankings and you're going to see, uh, you know, oddball things. Um, St. John's is number Notre one. Nope. Uh, oh. Virginia's number one now. And they're, you know, I mean, you, at this point you get the point where you get generally good teams, mostly at the top. But for example, you have Notre Dame at number four. I can assure you Notre Dame is not anywhere near the top of the, uh, the heap in this. Um, Off stretch. John at from eight New York was number one today at one point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Off stretch eight with a two and four record. Yeah. Nice. Two New York schools, top 10. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll see this too that a bunch of teams with losing records are at the top because of the way that the, the strength of schedules weighted. And all of that goes away. I mean, in a, within a within a few weeks, all of that will go away to where your top 50 will all be teams with winning records. But then you'll get the power – the power teams will start playing each other with good records, and that'll start – that'll start you know snowballing. Um, so basically teams that have really good records now or teams that are playing teams that have really good records um, are who's showing up at the top, um, and this will you know work itself out. Um, yes, uh, you know, losing – Yesterday was not great, but a six and two record at this point is better than I had originally predicted. And even with a prediction of them of Indiana doing well enough to get into a regional, this is farther along than than they'd expected. And by re getting into a regional, I'm saying a top forty RPI. 
So I have Indiana with an easily a top 40 RPI at this point in the season. Um, we'll see, you know, how that, that progresses based on how their opponents do. Um, let's take a look here. Uh, you know, early in the season, you know, so for example, coming up, Indiana's got a three-game series. Well, I mean, this weekend is 9-0, 8-0, 4-3. So that's going to be huge uh, to add to the to the opponent's records. You've got 9-1 Troy coming to Bloomington uh, March 8th, 9th, and 10th. There's a trip to Vanderbilt at 7-3. and um, you've got Belmont at six and three. They're coming to the BART. Um, this is really promising. Butler is at three and three so far this year. That was the one that was really scaring me. Um, that I think may actually be a, a big shot of improvement. Uh, Maryland seems to be doing holding themselves even with that with the loss of uh, Rob Vaughn. Uh, Penn State is on the upswing big time. Um, Rutgers is playing really solid. You know, Purdue is doing their typical <laughs> playing pretty well in the non-con, um, but that helps. Um, oh my goodness, Louisville. They're on a tear now. They're at 500. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe. Well, I, uh, I, I think Baylor's going to be the problem. Yeah, no, I agree. They, yeah, I think it, Baylor I, is the real problem on the schedule. And I'm I'm thinking that's, I, I, I think I found the, 10 spot drop in the last I guess now 15 minutes they lost to number 255 Abilene Christian yep that didn't do although it although Abilene Christian's a 7-3 and three record so they are the the opponent opponent actually was somewhat helped by that it's just yeah. that's three basically one game that's three losses now again stretch out over the the course of it you know Butler's a bigger deal because it's four games yeah. That's the real reason why Butler is so big is because it's a it's a four game thing. But the rankings itself, honestly, don't look at them at least until the middle of March. And even then, it is really grain of salt. And part of the reason that I think about this is that I'm always trying to project what is this going to look like on Memorial Day? Because that's that's the only day it counts <laughs> is 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 Selection Monday. That's the day that it really counts. Uh, as to as to you know whether the whether the team gets into the tournament, whether the team gets a two seed, whether the team gets to host, all those questions are in a large part answered by the RPI. But it's going to take a while to really determine where that uh, where that's going to be. So, um, I think we've actually covered quite a bit of ground today. Um, do we have any final thoughts, or are we ready to uh, wrap this up and prepare for? Uh, baseball in Frisco. Guys I'm definitely looking forward to the pitching. Then uh, we haven't seen pitching like we have since Duke. Yeah, these arms are going to be better, and they're going to be different. They're going to be coming from all different angles. There's a ton of arms in this Frisco Classic. So, I mean, that was opening day. You know, when we when we faced Duke, and since then, I, I mean, I would think most of these arms are better than ones we faced all along. So to really see how they attack these guys. How, you know, these aren't going to be eight, seven games, I don't think. I think we're looking at, you know, first and four could win each game. And it's just it's just a big-time challenge facing all these arms. 
especially after what just happened <laughs> against Purdue Fort Wayne. Hopefully that one can get washed and rinsed and just start over. But that's the big thing for me is how they face against these arms in, in clutch situations and, and what they can make happen. You know, let's get to that. That's pretty much what I'm thinking. Yep. And to me, it's sky's not falling. Like it, one, one game midweek, do not put too much thought or concern into it. Every team is going to lose to somebody they shouldn't. It is with the number of games played in baseball, it is almost impossible to not lose to somebody you shouldn't. Uh, look at Clemson getting just walloped by Kennesaw State earlier this year. Like it happens. It's always going well, to happen, and it's good to get it out of the way early. Yep. And I think that was one of those things that was so crazy about how good this this Indiana team was last year was that they somehow managed to avoid it. And I think it's one of the reasons why it stings so much is that we haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just they, – they, they, they managed to just not – they 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 came close a few times, but they always <laughs> seem to to pull it out. And the point is, at some point, yeah, that was going to catch up to them. So, yeah. uh, and especially and, midweek, yeah. And and again, to, to, to Chris's point, Indiana didn't play that bad yesterday. Yeah, Fort Wayne was just better. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for they a game, okay, yeah. And for any any game. A team can step up and be good. So, yeah. yep. <laughs> these are all Division One athletes. This is that yep. <laughs> that that quality is there. Yeah. So again, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. We're looking, uh, you know. And again, this is another opportunity that this team has in front of a lot of national eyes. Uh, these tournament events draw the national media, um, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know. Uh, well, I mean, D one's obviously broadcasting it i know they've got people there so it's going to be a it's going to be a big deal and we're uh, very much looking forward to it so thank you for listening to this edition of talking hoosier baseball uh, for more on indiana university baseball hit up iubase.com uh, for chris feeney and cassidy palmer i'm carl james see you at the bart <laughs> <laughs>